in the master wine education you have to you have to have a really deep understanding of the viticulture and the winemaking and and also like um, shipping and bottling and quality control mm -hmm. and so you really go very deep into the production as well so i feel even though i'm not trained as a winemaker i i really understand the process what happens in the vineyard and in the wine I'm talking to Heidi Hansen today. She's a wine educator in Norway. It's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Yeah, you too. <laughs> so where are you based? I'm based in Oslo. In Oslo, okay. Mm. And um, you, are, you are a wine educator, but you also qualified as a sommelier. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to work as a sommelier first, so um, I, I did... Um, a chef's education first and then I did a sommelier education and decided I wanted to work with wine and then uh, I continued working uh, in the other side of the restaurant so I, I was working as a sommelier for five six years before I started with education. But you said first you you trained as a chef? Yep. And uh, so the the interest in food and wine so what made you do the switch then to to study sommelier? Mm, I think it was the fact that it worked so well together and I wanted to understand more uh, how to better prepare the food that works with wine. Uh, and then I thought wine was a bit more interesting. <laughs> so uh, it was really, uh, yeah, uh, a topic that, um, that I found interesting and it was easy to see that you improved in a way um, because with the, the cooking um, of course you can see that you're improving and, and techniques getting better and so on but uh, with wine it was so like easy to measure knowledge and, and success in a different way and I thought oh, that was really inspiring so I started so with uh, some education and then WSET diploma and yeah eventually master wine. So but but now back to the food so the Food, I mean, it's got you. You have to understand the the taste of food in in a way. And and you say now that this combination with wine, um, can you see a lot of of um, similarities in these jobs? Um, I'm not sure, but what you see with the the tastes and and tasting the two elements is that it, it's all about balance and i think that's something that we see which is very much in common is that you need to you need to have the balanced flavors in the dish for nothing to stand up too much and and the same with the wine uh, so if you get that feel of harmony and balance it's much easier to see if anything is missing or what the quality level really is so i think that's maybe the main um similarity between them is that it's really all about balance. But I spoke to a sommelier a while ago and we, we, he specifically we spoke about people ordering in a restaurant, for example. Um, do you think we just, we're just not knowledgeable enough? Because usually when you get into a restaurant, people ask you first what you want to drink, uh, whereas you have to really think about what you're going to eat before you're going to to order what you're going to drink. Yeah, um, of course. Uh, sometimes for me, I'm I'm deciding on the wine first, and then I'm just going for something that would oh, fit okay. <laughs> because I'm eating pretty much everything. But um, no, I, I think as you say, it's of course you can you can start by ordering an aperitif, uh, and then 
deciding on the wine for the food should of course be done after you know the, what the food will be. So, yeah. <laughs> but as a sommelier, um, so you said you worked for six years yep. as a sommelier. So what mm. did this job of yours entailed? Um, I was also a restaurant manager, so I was uh, at a quite small hotel. And um, so I was running the, the fine dining restaurant and also a bit more packets and, and larger parties. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, um, yeah, a bit mixed fine dining with food and wine in combination and recommendations and uh, also just organizing running larger events. Mm. So mm. You, you then chose the wine for the restaurant according to the menu? Mm. Yes. Mm. And you work together then with the chef. Yep. Okay. So now as a so what so you wanted to then explore wine more. What was this interest in in the wine then to to go and study you know because you're now a wine educator. Yeah. Uh I think the the main thing for me was that I uh, had already started it WCT diploma and I felt that I wasn't able to use all the information I learned so all the knowledge I wasn't able to use it in the restaurant of course it would be boring for the the guests in the restaurant to hear everything about rootstocks and soils and climates uh, so yeah. I, I figured it wouldn't really work that well um, to be um, like studying at that level and and working with a bit more like basic uh, tastes and and combinations so i um, i decided i wanted to try something different and figure out quite quickly that education was a really good way to to use the knowledge and also it's very inspiring to to be the one that gets people to understand it's like you can you can memorize a lot of things in the wine world but if you're the one that really gives them the bigger picture makes them helps them understand it's it's really rewarding so I've been working with it since 2014. So did it? Do you think it helped you because you were a sommelier first uh, to do this now? Yeah, I think it's very good to have uh, the perspective from from the restaurant side as well because a lot of um, educators are um, maybe they've been working only in import or sales, and then of course if you have a sommelier student or someone who's working in a restaurant it's difficult to understand understand that side of things so i think it's very good to have a varied background and um yeah be able to to give the students as much relevant information as possible mm. and do you think as a as a sommelier do you think everybody can be that do you do you have to have some what would be the quality that you say that somebody has to have to be a good sommelier because it's a lot of service and, and restaurant uh, interaction, uh, sorry, guest interaction. I think you you really need to be a service-minded person. It's uh, it's not enough to have the knowledge about the wine and and to understand like the taste. You need to really want to see the side of the guest as well. And if they say that they hate riesling and half your menu is uh, riesling wines, then of course you have to change it. It's uh, even if you think the rieslings are great, then you need to see the guests as well. So I think that's maybe a bit of a challenge nowadays is that the sommeliers, they have a bit um, too much focus on like what's new, what's trendy, what's fun, what do they like? And then a bit more force it on the guests because um, they, they're they not really open to see, to seeing the guests. Mm. 
Yeah, because it's also a very competitive industry. I see there's there's a lot of competitions and everybody aspires to be the best sommelier. Mm. Mm. And and in the sommelier competitions as well, you're judged by originality. So I think that's maybe a bit dangerous because, of course, mm. you should be original. You should show them something um, new and exciting. But the whole wine pairing shouldn't consist of like new um styles that maybe the guests haven't haven't ever tried uh i think yeah just the other day i saw a wine pairing um with like three fortified wines during during the meal where you have a dry sherry a dry madeira with or drier style uh with them some uh, of the savory courses and i think it's cool if it's that if that's like the, the image the, the the style of the place but if it's just a normal wine pairing menu and you go for a lot of these uh, different styles of wines, I think it's very challenging for the guests. Yeah, so and it's maybe not... they will lose confidence in the wine pairing if too many people do this. And it's also not everybody uh, does it on that level. You know, not all the guests or, or people dining do it on that level. You know, you just want a, a, a lovely meal, a lovely wine to go with it. So it's, mm. it's part of that atmosphere as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's very important to to understand is that some wines is difficult to appreciate if you're not very focused, if you're not very concentrated as well. Uh, like a Premier Cru Chablis could just fall under the radar because it's too elegant, too like nuanced, and if the guest isn't really paying attention, they will just feel that it's uh, it's neutral and um, not giving them anything. And therefore, I think it's like you have to also see the guest is this a group of people that just want to talk have fun have something good to eat and and maybe something a bit more upfront flavor wise or is it people that can really appreciate the nuance style and elegant styles and yeah i think that's a a big part of the sommelier um yeah. job that you should really see the guest but now as a wine educator the what exactly is so do you study the wines but you also study the the whole uh, process like the growing of the grapes and 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 the vineyards and so on and then to the wine making part so do you cover all those aspects yeah it depends a bit on what uh, what education because we do five different levels uh, so four different uh, WCT levels and uh, some layer education as well and I teach most of the topics like a bit here and a bit there. We have a few other educators as well. Uh, but uh, in the master wine education, you have to you have to have a really deep understanding of the viticulture and the winemaking and and also like um, shipping and bottling and quality control. Mm -hmm. And so you really go very deep into the production as well. So I feel even though I'm not trained as a winemaker, I I really understand the process, what happens mm -hmm. in the vineyard and in the wine. Yeah, so you're not actually there making the wine, but you understand. Uh, yeah, I've been whole, I, I've yeah. been visiting enough, talking to enough yeah. winemakers to to sort of understand enough, uh, and then of course it yeah. would be cool to to go work in a winery, but it's yeah. So well, far, it hasn't been time for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've spoken to a um, agricultural economist, and we were talking about the wine industry uh, specifically in South Africa and and he was saying that the market is sort of 
you know, the winemaking process is sort of led sometimes by the market, you know, mm. that what people buy. Mm. Um, Do you find that also uh, that it's uh, that there's a, a wine that's made for, say, everybody's taste and then there are wines that are really exclusive and, and really for people who are interested in in tasting and, and drinking wine because of the vineyard that it comes from or the process or uh, that that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're not able to make a wine where you can make a profit selling it for like uh, four pounds if you're focusing on like the terroir and those things because to really show the sense of place, you need to have a lower yield. You need to have, you need to be a bit more on-site and work work more manually and of course the price point that people are prepared to pay for these wines is too low so for those wines you really need to just know that these are my like the framework i need to work within and then you're making a wine to suit that price and that style and generally it's all about making it as upfront um available and and lovely as possible but it's it's those wines where you do you use uh, stainless steel you use low temperature um fermentation and so on to to really enhance the aromatic profile on the nose but then if you are focused when you're tasting it you can see that it's lacking on the palate but it's it's a very good way to make a wine really easily um available and approachable and then for most people, they, they stop paying attention when they have the wine in their mouth. Then they start talking to the person next to them again. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it's really for a lot of people, it's enough that it smells lovely and, and it's like available. Mm. But do you think it's, do you think if, if people are more educated in wine or if people have more an understanding of the process of wine and uh, the wine, you know, the whole wine making and and the the time that it takes to get the, that wine in the bottle. If people have more understanding of that, they will also be willing to pay more and be more interested in what they are drinking. Yeah, absolutely. And we see a, a lot of interest in uh, the two lowest level of WSET by people who's absolutely not in the industry. Also, actually, on the higher levels, but it's. Uh, Level one and two is almost exclusively people working in in different um, industries, not in wine, and and really just interested in wine, want to learn a bit more. And a lot of these people get like an aha experience where they taste wine and they see that it basically has no finish. It's it the, the finish is really short because it's a wine made to to be really upfront, but it it doesn't have the concentration needed. Mm. So by learning how to taste quality they understand what they need to look for and then they understand that okay this costs more money because you're making fewer bottles of course then it needs to be more expensive so i think they will appreciate more the price it actually costs you to make a good wine and how to to see that the wine is better than a, another wine and i think as long as people don't understand what quality is when they're tasting the wine then of course, getting them to pay for this quality is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But uh, now, um, uh, this I read an article where it says that wine is not just a, um, a science, but it's also an art. And do you also believe that? Um, yeah, in a way, it's uh, funny that you ask that 
because uh, in my master one exam, I had that question where I had to write an essay about has science taken about the taking away the romance in wine. <laughs> so oh, okay. romance, art, it's a bit like, yeah, I would say the same, yeah. the same line. Yeah. Um, but I think um, absolutely it's, it's something where you really need to have a passion. And I think art is about like having passion for what you do and, and really making, letting the product in a way make itself but control the process along the way and and just ensuring that the result is the best possible without uh, always like deciding before you start where you will end up and i think with art it's pretty much uh, a lot of the same things as well yeah so i think absolutely it's um yeah it, it's a part of it for me i'm i may be a bit more technical i'm not very much into all of the natural wine type of yeah, trend. Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit more the person that likes to know what's happening. Why is it happening? What happens if you change the temperature or the, the different vessel? Um, but I think absolutely you need to have need to have a passion and you need to let the, the, the place and the variety speak for itself as well. Hmm. Now, um, what is your um, stance on the on the old vines, the wines from the old vines and, and preserving the old vines? Yeah, I think it's uh, quite often you can see a much better quality, um, much more balanced sort of ripeness in the grapes, especially with some varieties. You can see that it's it's making a much better wine. Um, so I think it's it's really important to to keep the old vines as long as they're healthy and and producing really good quality. I think like in South Africa, where they've had so much virus problems, it your vineyard is not completely healthy, it's better to to replace it with a new one, uh, which is healthy and, and producing then more balanced grapes. Um, but I think absolutely, as long as people are willing to pay for the extra quality and lower amount of wine produced, then they should keep it. But of course, I understand they can't keep it for volume wines because the wines start producing less volume and then, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think for for top quality or like very good quality wines, it's absolutely best to to keep the old wines if they're healthy and and the clone is working and and the climate hasn't changed too much so that everything is still working well. But now, as a wine educator, what what is your day to day day job? Uh, if are you just teaching? Um, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a lot of um, preparations as well, um, making sure that all the wines are ordered and come in and are sorted and put in the right temperature fridge and so on. Um, yeah. And uh, when we have different educators, of course, it's um, deciding on the topics with them, what dates and uh, times and making sure all the material is in place. Um, and then it's a lot of teaching. Yeah. So. And who do you teach? I teach at all levels, so WSET level one, two, three, and four, as well as the sommelier education. And we also have a course now quite new from, um, it's called Capstone, California. It's an um, educational program developed by California Wine Institute. Okay. So we're the only one in Norway doing this course at the moment, but they have they have few centers around um, Europe and, and other places of the world as well. And what is it about the teaching that you enjoy? As I mentioned earlier, it's really being able to, to make them understand 
to like watch a room full of people with question marks in their eyes and they're like you, you see that they're struggling to understand and then you give them another example you explain it slightly differently and then you see that okay now it's starting to be clear for everyone and that's really the most enjoyable part and now what what are your wishes for the future in your career yeah, I've been asked that question quite a lot of times since I passed the MW exam. And I think in Norway, it's it's nothing else that could really give me the same um, uh, enthusiasm and, and also inspiration uh, in a line of work. So I think educating is really the best thing for me, at least at the moment. And I don't really have a dream to own a winery or anything. It's, oh, okay. uh, it would be cool, as I said, to, to work a vintage or something if if it can happen in the future but it's um yeah it's uh it's not really a dream to to go making my own wine um mm -hmm. on a daily basis that's um yeah I think do you education visit, is... yeah do you visit wineries a lot yeah yeah oh, you do mm. all over the world yeah uh, i have a quite small uh, boy now he's one and a half years old so lately it hasn't been a lot of travels so and no, of course also with covid but um, when I was studying, I was traveling a lot. So uh, I've been to all, most uh, corners of the world where they produce good wines. Um, so I think, uh, and, and quite <clears throat> regularly going to like uh, Germany, Austria, France, mm -hmm. Italy, the more closer countries, and, and also been to South Africa, Australia, Chile, US. So wow. like traveling a bit more. Yeah. So. I feel amazing. very lucky. <laughs> yeah, but how interesting. I mean, this this must be amazing to see all these different ways of making wine and uh, yeah, the different climates also. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And different scales I, of production as well. It's it's cool to see the really large ones. I've been to Gallo, I've been to Lindemans. Uh, really? Um, and it's, yeah, mm. it, it's really, you learn so much from seeing this industry plants uh, and uh, then going to like a producer making two barrels it's uh, it's so much contrast but it's really cool to to be able to do both yeah i i'm always fascinated by the by the independent winemakers you know the small the, the like you say the, the smaller ones and and how they design their labels and all the thinking that goes into that that all the creativity you know and and everybody that you know wants to have their specific wine speak, and I I love that that, mm. that part of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. On like a personal level, I think that's of course the most interesting and and typically the, the best quality wines being produced as well. But from like a knowledge point of view, I think understanding how it happens in a very large scale is also very important and interesting. Of course, mm. Mm. yeah, yeah. But Heidi, this was so interesting talking to you and thank you so much for your time and uh, wonderful that you can talk to me from Oslo. Yeah, very <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. But have a lovely afternoon. Thank you, you too. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.